a new cricket book has come out. Don't sigh if you don't like cricket because the best cricket books tell you a little bit about who we are rather than just someone's test batting averages. It's called Kim Hughes and the Bad Old Days of Australian Cricket, Golden Boy. I'm not going to introduce it myself. I'm going to read straight from page seven. It'll tell you a bit about it. Among regular captains of the last half a century, only Kim Hughes has not had a book written by or about him. If he's remembered at all, it's as the captain who cried when he quit at a press conference. All else has lain smothered under the ordinariness of a 37.41 batting average. But what a story beckons, the story of a country boy who would leap three, four, five steps down the pitch to bowlers fast or slow. He'd go along with the umpire's decision. He'd wear a cap, not a helmet. He'd try to hit the ball out of the ground when within reach of a hundred, because... This put smiles on people's faces, even if it meant getting out in the 90s, as it so often did. Christian Ryan is in our Melbourne studio. Christian, good morning to you. Good morning, Jeff. Lovely to be with you. Yeah, and lovely to talk about this. Uh, Kim Hughes is a a regular contributor to ABC Radio these days. I was uh, growing up as a journalist uh, in the great tumultuous times of his captaincy and as we looked at his relationship with two other extremely well-known West Australians, Rod Marsh and Dennis Lilly. Why have we not had a book about Kim Hughes in those times? Because really, they were the most changeable times of the last 50 years. Yeah, well, it's mystified me for a long time. Uh, as you just said, Kim is the only captain of the last 50 years not to have a have a book written by or about him. And, and I think he had you know, the most cracking story of all to be told. Uh, he went to the top so quickly and, and then went back down again very quickly. And, and I think, uh, yeah, there's so much about that era that we don't really know. It's, the 80s is a era that is very rich in our minds, I think, in terms of cricket. And and yet we have quite a superficial understanding of it. Uh, so, yeah, it's always mystified me why no one has written a book. From from Kim's point of view, I think he did plan to write a book. Yes. Uh, and, I, and I think he decided he would rather... Uh, yeah, some some nasty things happened to him, some bad experiences, and and he would rather not not stir up old old memories and, and old and old bad blood. Yeah. Now, from the outset, you approached Kim and asked him to be part of it. What did he say? That, that's largely what he said. He didn't want to stir things up. Uh, it, it would yeah, a book about him would involve a certain amount of controversy, and he didn't want journalists uh, ringing him up all over all over again, all over and, again. Uh, Digging it up, yeah, which I could understand. Similarly, uh, what about Rod Marsh and Dennis Lilly? That they also declined to talk. Uh, their um, their refusals arrived within within hours of each other. I think within half a day of each other, which which suggested to me that they'd they'd talked about it amongst themselves and decided that they wouldn't uh, talk. And that didn't surprise me at no. all because neither of them have really ever talked in any depth about about what happened at that time, uh, and particularly with regard to Kim Hughes. They've made disparaging references towards him in books, but they haven't yet sat down and done an interview about it with anyone. So that, that didn't surprise me at all. Tell me about this bloke with the, the most beautiful cover drive. He was born on Australia Day. Ken Caselis used to write about him and say, destined to be Australian captain. When he got there, a lot of people said he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have. And, and as a consequence, uh, he didn't become the great batsman he might have. Uh, what, what stood in his way throughout that career, Christian? Well, the thing that stands out to me about Kim after after you know, two years of writing this book, more than that actually, uh, is that he, he had some lovely old-fashioned qualities. He was 
he, he was quite arrogant and you know and confident that no one could bowl to him uh, and he was very openly ambitious but but most of all he had this desire to make the people who paid money to watch him happy and and that was particularly at the Wacker where he, we I think he had very special bond with the people who used to go to watch Sheffield Shield matches and that was quite a lot of, quite a lot of people in those days uh, and and if he could play the extraordinary shot rather than the safe shot he always would now that that was his i think his most charming and lovely quality and no one no australian batsman has had that since i don't think but at the same time it's not necessarily approved of by a team where you've got to put the team first and if you if you're if you're 97 not out and and you decide to actually kim was 99 once in a test match and he decided he'd bring up his 100 with a 6 and he got caught on the fence uh, and the t- the team doesn't like that so i think uh, yeah i think a lot of the problems with the older players in the team was that they wanted to change him. Yes. They you, wanted you to also stamp said this out of him. That right throughout the early stages of the career he was the cocky curly haired kid that went and played among men. And that, that mm. and that, that always set him back on his heels because he was he was liked and admired up to a point, but only ever up to a point it seems. Mm. Jeff Gallup, who uh, the former Premier who played with Kim in, in Geraldton when they were growing up, he uh, he makes the point that Kim always seemed to be younger and better than the people he was playing with. And that this this made some of them you know, uncomfortable. They wanted to put the little upstart in his place. Um, yeah, and, and he was, yeah, in Geraldton, he was, he, was, he was smaller than everyone else, and yet he was obviously more talented. And then he came to Perth uh, when, when his father uh, got a job in Perth as a teacher, and, and he went to the Subiaco Cricket Club. And, uh, and, and yeah, people, yeah, he was years younger than everyone else again, and, and a lot of hard things happened to him. And, uh, and and I think some of those hard things he he began to think of as the norm, and that and it must have been very confusing for a for a fifteen year old. We hear a lot about his his uh, rise to, to to fame in the Australian cricket team, given the captaincy um, ahead of Rod Marsh, uh, who who people had an enormous regard for, tetchy mm. relationships with um, uh, with Dennis Lilly as well. How do you assess those two blokes specifically, and Kim Hughes? Well, I make no judgment on those two blokes. Um, I, I present the facts, uh, and I, I guess I leave it up to the reader to make up their mind. I think it comes back to, in the early days, as I said, wanting to put this upstart in his place, wanting to teach him to put a higher price on his wicket to do the team thing. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that's why Dennis Boulder bounces at Kim's head in, in net sessions over and over again. And, now, and Greg Chappell... Yeah. Sorry. Now, I'd like to talk about that because there's a quote I wanted to read from Jeff Lawson. And what I found really interesting is that you've gone to a lots of other blokes who, some of whom we wouldn't even remember, people like Graham Beard and to an extent people like Murray Bennett. But you've asked them what was it mm. like on, on those tours. And, and this is a quote from Jeff Lawson referring to to 1981, and cricket lovers will remember that was the tour that Australia may well have won, but Ian Botham ensured uh, that, 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 that we lost the series in very dramatic fashion. But this is Jeff Lawson talking about Dennis Lilly bowling to Kim Hughes in the nets. If it was once, he might be doing it for a good cricket reason. But it happened a number of times in 1981. I don't think it happened every time, but often. Often Dennis would wait to see which net Kim was going to bat in, and then he'd go and bowl at him. He might have been bowling line and length at border, but then Kim would come in and it would be a different kettle of fish. It was pointed and obvious, and I don't think it served much purpose. It didn't serve any positive purpose for Kim, and the team certainly didn't think it was positive, but no one was going to say, Dennis, you shouldn't do that. We're referring to Dennis 
apparently trying to hit him in the head pretty much every time he bowled a short ball. The person who should have stopped Dennis was Rod Marsh, and he didn't do it. And that's something that you hear from these people all the time about the upstart being punished by the veterans. Hmm. Hmm. The reason... Are you going to ask? Sorry, no, well, well, that's that's really the thing that just comes through so, so strong in the whole book, that hmm. uh, try as he might... Um, you know, if you talk about an era of, of great cricketers who are very unprofessional, this is how it reads. Yeah, and I think what Jeff Lawson says, that there was no good reason for doing it, for bowling at Kim's head in the nets, I think that's right. I think there there could have been an early good reason to give him a message to be the team player. But but Kim Hughes was not going to change. He wanted to He wanted to play the extraordinary shot. He wanted to make people excited, to make people happy. And it became clear that he wasn't going to change. Uh, and and so then I think it, got, it gets messed up with Kim being captain and Rod Marsh not being captain. Dennis thought Rod should be captain. Rod thought Rod should be captain. And so then it becomes clear, it becomes unclear and messy when we're trying to do a good thing by Kim starts and where spite takes over. For, from In terms of the net things, I, I don't think Kim never had any fear and... And he was an amazing hooker of the ball, and it must have been a great challenge and, and, and even a bit of fun, perhaps, to take on Dennis in the nets like that. Probably more dangerous, more challenging than anything he faced out in the middle, even from the West Indians on, on bad MCG pitches. But mentally, it must have been really hard to deal with. It must have been so confusing, especially when he was captain. And in Australia, we have a culture of you get behind the captain, even if you don't think he should be captain. You get behind him, you do everything you possibly can to help him. This is the one time in the history of Australian cricket where that didn't happen. You're listening to Christian Ryan. We're talking about uh, his book on Kim Hughes and the bad old days of Australian cricket. I mean, uh, someone else made the point, given a few weeks ago there was all this talk about Michael Clarke and Simon Cadditch having a bit of a set two <laughs> in the in the mm. dressing room. That doesn't compare with, with what the mood was like at various stages through this. The other thing, too, was... Um, Ian Chappell, a man who Kim Hughes very much admired and I think wanted to be like and was probably never mm. going to be like, um, never had a problem because he was such a good friend of, of Dennis and Rod. He'd say things like giving Kim Hughes the captaincy was like giving an arsonist the key to a bloody match cupboard. He wanted it for the wrong... Greg, Greg Chappell, not Ian. Who's oh, I beg yeah. your pardon. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- those kind of observations, um, they would wound and destroy just about anyone. Was, was he pretty thick-skinned for a time? Well, he was brave, so he put up with a lot, and he and 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 he never got down, and and he kept his sense of humour. Uh, for example, there was an interview with Playboy magazine, uh, which Rod Marsh did, which some of your readers with extremely long memories might remember, which was Rod opened up with several quite cutting comments about Kim, and, and later that year or a year later, uh, there was a there was a uh, Kim was doing one of those question and answer things and, and favourite magazine was one of the question and Kim answered Playboy. So I think he kept his sense of humour and he was and he and he took a lot on the chin, but at the same time he desperately wanted to be liked, I think. He always in the same way that he wanted to make the people watching happy, he wanted to be liked. He wanted to be people's best friend. People told me this over and over again in the course of researching this book, that he's the the friendliest guy who wants to be liked. And um so so I think yeah, in his head, it must have been hard. You trace his his decline, and I remember it well, as he's uh, on his way out of the Australian team, and you know his last seven innings, I think, for his country four zero two zero 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 one, 
Um, yeah. And then he goes to South Africa. The great days never return. I've heard people say, you know, it's a, it's a very it's it's Icarus flying very close to the the sun and melting very quickly. But mm. you make one observation which I I did find interesting because um, sportsmen and women cry rivers now after races, rounds, sets and finals, and winners weep for the enormity of all they've achieved, and losers for the chance that they may never have recovered. Often when they cry, they're lauded for their sweaty knowingness, for the emotional maturity lurking in bodies so tender. Kim's tears are still seen through a 1984 prism, a batsman to be reckoned with in the reminiscences of of those who watch cricket, but among all others he was remembered as a sook, the crybaby, the effeminate cricketer, one inadequate captain getting life so out of proportion as to make a complete clown of himself, so ran a line by the British sports writer Kevin Mitchell. Pretty thankless, isn't it? Yeah, and it's extraordinary when you see how many footballers and soccer players cry every single weekend now after losing a game. Uh, and when Kim cried, it was a, it was it made him a national laughing stock, and and people still remember him for it. It was an interesting time in that about six weeks earlier, Bob Hawke, who was prime minister, uh, he he cried uh, very openly and publicly at a press conference. Uh, so so crying was a bit of a bit of an issue, and you know, Barry Humphreys and Jermaine Greer and lots of other. Uh, Significant Australians were, were quite happy to poke poke fun. Um, those who hear Kim on ABC Radio these days um, see and hear a very different character, but it's kind of indicative of who he was too, that very ebullient, very upbeat, unwilling to criticise anyone who may have had a real dash at him. But I tell you what, Christian, the book's fantastic. As I say, there aren't too many good cricket book, books written. I, I remember Gideon Haig wrote a book called The Summer Game that told the story of cricket and the context of the times. a couple of good ones, Gideon. Yeah, he certainly has. Mm. But this is a, <laughs> a, a worthy addition, Christian, and thanks very much for talking to us today. Thanks, Jeff. Lovely, lovely to be with you all. Christian Ryan is the author of Kim Hughes and the Bad Old Days of Australian Cricket. Um, it is really a good, a good read.